felt led of the Lord to really encourage us in our faith this morning. I'm going to start off in Hebrews chapter 11. The first, I just want to, uh, I want you to join with me in a brief word of prayer to the Lord. Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity uh, to share your word, Father God, the word of truth. And Father God, uh, we just avail ourselves to you, Father God, that your word, let your word become life to us. We humble ourselves before you that we embrace your word of truth, that it might be implanted in good soil and bear fruit in our lives to your glory and to your honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Nothing groundbreaking today. But God's word is life, right? Starting in Hebrews 11, just verses 1 and 6, just to begin to lay the groundwork. And it says, now, I'm reading in the ESV. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now faith is the assurance, I like that blessed assurance, that assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And it goes on to talk about the, the, the heroes in the hall of faith. But I like the biblical definition there of what faith is all about. The assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. You know, we're supposed to be walking by faith and not by sight, right? And oftentimes, we are moved by sight. And the sight is so imposing in our faces that, that we're tempted to give in to fear, doubt, unbelief. What we see becomes larger than what we can't see. And what we see tends to dictate our perspective dictates our action. It dictates what we believe to be possible. Are you hearing me? But faith is the assurance of things hoped for. If God said it, it's assured. It is the conviction of things not seen. I know in him, I know him in whom I believe. And verse 6 goes on to say, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. I'm going to repeat that. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seeks him. We're all, I'll say for the most part, we're, we're all believers here today. We believe he exists. 
Examine wherever you're at today, whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, whatever you're struggling with. Examine whether or not you are convicted, you have conviction that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you're struggling in your faith, I'm just tossing that out there. Because Scripture says we should examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith, right? And I don't believe that's talking about examining yourself to see if you're really a Christian. No, 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 no. To see if we're really following the way of the Lord. If we're really putting into practice what we profess. Do we really have a conviction about the word of God that we reach to the point that it becomes our firm foundation, like the song says, our firm foundation in the middle of a storm? That I'm not rocked by what I'm facing because I know what God, I know God is with me and I know what his word says. Are you hearing me? Uh, go to Matthew chapter 8, verse 23, and we'll continue. I want to go through several examples of faith in the Scripture, and then we'll wind down. Only take me about an hour and a half, and we'll be done. I hope that by the end of the day, about the end of the message, that you'll be challenged to examine where you're at and inspired to always trust in the Lord, no matter the circumstances. Matthew chapter 8, starting at the 23rd verse, very familiar passage for a lot of us. And it reads, and when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him saying, save us, Lord, we're perishing. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. I don't know about you, but I would feel some type of way about that. Really, I mean, it's a real problem, is it not? You're talking about people who, disciples, some of which were experienced fishermen. They knew what it was like, that, that, that this was not any typical type of storm. This was a life-threatening situation. And they knew, hey, Jesus is awesome, man. Let's go run and tell him, wake him up. We're about to die in here. And you would think, oh, Jesus, oh, he's asleep? How can he sleep in all this? Okay, somebody go down there and get him. Let him know what the situation is so he can handle business. And you think, hey, that's pretty good. They know how to call on Jesus, right? Yeah. They go down, wake him up, and he says, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, 
What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? Now, I think in this, in this story, we can identify a couple of different obstacles to faith in here, right? What do you think that, what do you think led them to be afraid is what they saw, right? Jesus said, let's go to the other side. They hop in a the boat. They're in on their way. Bang! The storm hits, and all of a sudden, they have been rocked, and now they don't know if they're going to live to see another hour, let alone another day. And how many of you know when the storms of life hit unexpectedly, out of the blue, Garrett talked about the $16,000 of damage to the house that the insurance is claiming that they're trying not to pay. How do you know that's a storm of life right there? When you look at the cost of these repairs and you compare that to the bank account and you see that the bank account is a fraction of the amount and you're not knowing how that's going to get resolved, that's a storm. That's a real life situation. And it's hard to look past that. But faith doesn't focus on that. Faith looks past what we can see to him whom we can't see, right? We see the truth of God's word beyond it. We don't ignore the problem. We don't pretend, we don't put our heads in the sand and pretend that it doesn't exist. We acknowledge the problem, but we acknowledge that God is the solution to it. We acknowledge that God is on our side and that he is going to get us through it. Amen? Even if he doesn't make it go away and, and doesn't say, peace be still, boy, that's awesome. If we can just say, okay, God, just, just take it away. He may not take it away immediately, but he will give us an inward peace, an inward knowing that, you know what? This is going to be okay. I'm not going to die in this. I'm not going to fail in this. I'm not going to be destroyed in this. Okay? Because he is my rock and my foundation. I will. He's my anchor. I will not sink. I will not drown. I will not be destroyed. Amen? But he said, why couldn't you do anything? Why were you afraid? Well, I was afraid because they were going by what they saw. And they couldn't see beyond the major problem that was confronting them at the time, right? That was an obstacle to their faith. Well, that produced another obstacle, feelings. All oh, those feelings. Feelings. And it doesn't matter where on the feeling spectrum they are. You could be hurt, offended. You could be angry. You could be filled with wrath. Whatever the feelings are, if we give in to them and don't subject them to what we know to be right and true in the Lord, those feelings will, 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 
will, will draw us away from faith into doubt, fear, and unbelief. Now, go over to chapter 8 of Matthew. And I kind of felt like God wants me to identify these things so that I think if we're going to get a real vision, a real revelation for faith and how, how we can contend for the faith and how we can stand strong in the faith, we need to know the obstacles that confront us that would cause us to move out of faith, right? And we need to identify those things so we can then overcome them, right? Excuse me. Matthew 8, starting at the fifth verse. And I'm probably, not, I'm probably the only one not there yet. Hmm. <laughs> I think this is a good example of someone who knew how to stand. It's about the centurion. Matthew 8, verse 5. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word. Say, only say the word. And my servant will be healed. For I too, I'm a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of want to spend a little bit of time contrasting those two things because I think, I think they can enlighten us a little bit on what can help us in these times when we're facing great challenges. When the disciples encountered the storm and Jesus would sleep on the boat, you know, they weren't thinking about the word of Jesus, let us go to the other side. They weren't thinking of, you know, they had the presence of Jesus there with them. And yet they were still freaking out. And, hey, I am not far be it from me when I was a young minister, I used to kind of beat up these characters in the Bibles and in the Bible and say, "Man, Knuckleshead had Jesus right there. What was wrong with him? How could they not? He parted the, in the Old Testament. He parted the Red Sea. You know, you're complaining about food. You think he wants to? He, he won't uh, provide for you. 
I used to be all over Peter, and, and, and you know, since then, the Lord has uh, humbled me and, and showed me that me and Peter has a lot in common. So I love Peter now. And so <laughs> but sometimes we forget, you know, they didn't have the risen Christ. They didn't have this new covenant, this new revelation. They didn't have the Bible that we were reading. They were living this stuff, and they were walking this stuff out, you know, and experiencing it. They were learning as they go. Just like we are learning, we go from babes in Christ, hopefully to maturity in Christ. We're learning. We make mistakes, right? So not to beat up on them, just compare and contrast. When the disciples encountered their situation, you know, their focus, and that's the key word here, focus. Their focus was on the problem and only the problem. And since it was on the problem, the problem dictated their response. What they thought was possible. They feared the worst. Fortunately, they had Jesus down there in the bar about the boat and they were able to get him. They knew, hey, we can't do anything about this. Maybe Jesus can. And if that's where you're at and that's where you've been, again, I'm not beating you up. At least he knew, they knew to run to Jesus, <laughs> right? Right? Uh, they weren't exactly in faith themselves, but they had Jesus there and they went to him. And you can never go wrong there. But the centurion is interesting when I contrast these two. He knew he went to Jesus too. And his servant was in dire straits. And Jesus was endeavoring, he planned to do what people usually wanted him to do. Hey, a miracle can't happen unless you are here. I need your presence. You need to walk into the house, lay hands on the person and heal him. Otherwise, nothing can get done. No, the centurion said, no, no, no. You don't even need to come. I know your word is bond. I know your word is truth. I have no doubt that if you declare my servant healed, it will be so whether you're inside my house or not. Amen? He can stand on the word of God. Say, be healed, my servant, and I know when I get to the house, my servant's going to be healed. That is a person who is assured of what's hoped for. It has a conviction of that which isn't seen. Amen? That is a strong faith in the Lord is that, is that in, 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 in his position in life kind of helped him see this. I'm a man of authority. I'm under authority. I have authority. And in that authority, when I say something, it gets done. And I recognize that you have authority and you're under authority, <laughs> God's authority. And so if you say it, the authority that you have will make what you say come to being. And so I put my trust in that. Does that make sense? And then it made me think of 
It's first Samuel, I believe, chapter 17. It made me think of King David before he was King David, when everyone just knew him as a shepherd boy. Remember when he was bringing food to his brothers? When Samuel came looking for the, 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 the next king that would replace Saul, uh, David's dad didn't even bring him up. Surely. He was, he was not going to be the guy. Well, guess what? He was the guy that God called. And here we have Goliath, this monster of a man, mocking God, mocking the people of God. The king and the mighty warriors of Israel are sitting there, knees shaking, refusing to answer his call. When he said, why all the bloodshed? We don't need to all this death to happen. Just tell you what, you get your champion to face me and the winner. Whichever one wins, the other side will have to surrender. That way, all we have is one, is, is, is one casualty on the battlefield. And the people of God didn't have one person wearing armor, didn't have one person on the throne willing to take that challenge. And I don't know if you remember, but Saul was a pretty big dude too. He'd be in the NBA if he, was, if he lived today. He was a seven-footer. He wasn't Goliath-sized, but he was a giant-sized man. And he wanted no parts of Goliath. Why? Because it was intimidating and imposing what he was seeing. He could not see beyond, he could not see beyond the intimidating force that was Goliath. And that's why it's so critically important to draw near unto God. It's so critically important to be in his word and feeding on his word on a daily basis so we know the truth of God's word and we can stand on it in times where things in life come into our, things come into our lives that are imposing and intimidating and strong. Because if we're not really linked in with God, we will cower. Because it's bigger than us. <laughs> it's bigger than us. But it is a small thing to him. Amen. And what did David do? I like David's focus, and I didn't want to uh, to go there, so I'm going to be disciplined to not go there. I didn't give you that, Desiree, so I'm not going there. But trust me, read chapter 17, 1 Samuel. But David, he was able to have such faith. He comes in with the food. He hears Goliath talking. He's like, what's going on? Isn't somebody going to handle that? He's going to stand there and let him mock God and mock the people of God this way. Somebody needs to go handle that. And say, oh, shut up. You don't know what you're doing. You're just a shepherd boy. Let the real, let the real warriors handle this. And so David presses the issue. He, he ends up in the presence of Saul. And he talks, this teenage boy talks the king into letting him go fight the battle. The king should be fighting. Or his best warrior should be fighting. And when Goliath mocked him, what am I, a dog? What, what is this? <laughs> you know, you're going to bring this little thing out here? This is not a challenge. David, he didn't get in his feelings. He didn't, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> he didn't do any of that stuff. He kept his focus on God. 
I say, but hey, before the day is over, you're going to know that there's a God in Israel. And that there's a God that fights for Israel. So I, I'm not hearing my own strength. I'm hearing the strength of God. And with his strength, I'm going to have your head today, boy. And that's what he told him. That's what's his conviction. And you know what? God had his back. He knew his God. He knew that no matter how big and, and, and strong and imposing Goliath was, he was nothing against God. And that was the difference between him and everybody else that was on that battlefield that day. And he began to see why God called him to be the next king. He had a man that knew his God. He, he had a man that wasn't moved by circumstances because he knew his redeemer. He knew his creator. He knew Jehovah. And that is where I believe God is challenging us. Not to be unrealistic and pretend that problems don't exist. You know, uh, 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 not to fool ourselves or do any kind of mental gymnastics or trickery or anything, but to, to, to acknowledge the reality of what things are, but to look at them in their proper perspective. Just demystifying it a little bit. Walking by faith doesn't mean that we ignore what we see. It looks beyond what we see and focuses on God. It exalts the word of God above reason and feelings and, 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 and all that stuff. I want to finish in Matthew 15. You can edit out that no, he didn't thing, okay? Starting at the 21st verse. Another familiar passage. And this one really blesses me. It really does. Canaanite woman, starting at the 21st verse of Matthew chapter 15. It says, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. You know, <laughs> I tell you what, man, it, it, few things are worse than you really trying to have a conversation with someone and they're not even, it didn't seem like they're even acknowledging that you're there, you know, <laughs> you know, but he didn't answer her a word. So that right there, that would have set 
plenty of people off right there. Just that one thing, right? She's begging. She's pleading. So something means a lot to her. He didn't answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, send her away, for she's crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Ooh. She said, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So think about this. Jesus did not say no, did not just say no to her request. He said, I'm here for the children of Israel and you're not one of them. Which meant that she was begging for something that she did not have a right to. This is how the conversation is going here. You know, uh, th th this right here isn't yours, <laughs> all right? And so she's begging for it. And then if that wasn't enough, Jesus drove the point home with an analogy that depicted her as a dog begging to eat food from the master's table. Now, I know plenty of women, my mother being one of them, that would not stand for that. You said what? Oh, she is not having that. Now, imagine we read the story. We know that she moved Jesus with her faith, and Jesus gave her the desire of her, of her, uh, the, the desire of her heart was the healing of her daughter. But think for a moment, those obstacles to faith. See, she had several opportunities to be offended, <laughs> to, get, to, to, to get angry, to get in her feelings to the point to where she could have said, forget this. Nobody treats me this way. Nobody speaks to me this way. This stuff is a sham. It's a fake. I'm out of here. I'm gone. And forget the reason that she came there in such humility in the first place which was that she saw in him the only answer to the problem that she was facing with her daughter. But she could have got in her feelings and left empty-handed, and her daughter possibly would have died of whatever she, condition she was in. But the fact that I'm identifying these several points of offense <laughs> that I think most of us would have easily fallen to lets me know that she came there adopting a total posture of humility. And she was just focused on the Lord Jesus and, and, and who he was and, and, and the fact that he could heal her daughter. And she was not going to let anything, she wasn't going to let her intellect, her reason, she wasn't going to let her feelings get in the way of getting what she went to Jesus to get, which was the healing for her daughter. And I, I believe the Lord would challenge you today, don't let those things, don't let feelings rise up and block you 
from being in faith to receive what God has for you. Don't take up offense. You know, it, it ought to put in new light why God emphasizes forgiveness. Don't let don't don't let that anger, don't let don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Hey, I want you to forgive. It's not just for the other person, it's for you, because that unforgiveness will become a root of bitterness and it will become a hindrance for you to be able to walk in faith and receive the fullness that God has for you. Are you seeing that? I can only imagine what her response might have been if she didn't come there in the if she if she came there with the heart of pride instead of humility. It, it, <laughs> it probably wouldn't have made it in scripture. So, as we started off talking about faith, I love the way it says it in the New King in the New King James versions: "The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen." It uses the words "assured" and "conviction" in the ESV, uh, just as powerful, in my opinion. But if, but in verse six is where it says, "Without faith, it is impossible." To please him. Think about it. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So if we want to please God, we're going to have to learn to walk in faith. We're going to have to learn to overcome emotional challenges, our feelings. We're going to have to learn to, we're going to have to, learn to overcome the incessant need to understand everything. <laughs> you know? If you're like me, you want to know, okay, I, I want to I see how the dots connect. I want to see how this thing is going to work out. And if you struggle in that, then we're going to have to really learn how to trust God in it. And although I'm not able to see how every dot connects, I trust in the character and the faithfulness of my God that he is going to make the dots connect. If I, just, if I trust in him and walk with him, the dots will connect the way they're supposed to. Amen? And so God wants to encourage you. You know, in New Covenant Church family, you know, we're going through some transition and everything, and and, and life is kind of rocking us a little bit. Um, but, you know, uh, here in the fellowship, as well as in our homes, and, and Garrett was transparent and shared what's going on in his household and everything. I, I just want to encourage you, and I can't stress it enough, okay, the importance of looking beyond the things that you can see and staying tethered to the rock, staying tethered to God. Remind yourself daily. Remind yourself what God has said. Remind yourself of the promises that God has given. Remind yourself of all the times in your life that, that, that God has come through for you. Because sometimes it gets to the point to where the thing that gets you through, the thing that kind of encourages you to take that next step of faith, the only thing you got is what God has done for you up to that point. 
and, and, and we have to bring ourselves in remembrance to remind us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That, that he didn't bring me to this point to abandon me, but that what he started, he will finish. What he called me to, he has given me everything necessary to do it. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I trust him. I think that's the only way Abram could have been willing to kill his son. Is that he, I don't know what this means. I don't know why he's telling me to do this, you know, but I'm going to obey him in it and I trust him. And his faith was so strong that he told his servants, hey, y'all wait here a little while. We're going to go worship and we are going to be back. So either I'm going to kill him and God's going to raise him again or God's going to provide himself a lamb. Either way, God told me he was the son of promise. Well, that means he's the son of promise. So I'm not going to allow fear. I'm not going to allow reason. I'm not going to allow all these things to convince me. That, oh, no, 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 no. I waited 100 years for this one. No, God, you, you find, give me somebody else's kid to kill, but not, not this one. But she subjected her pride and approached Jesus in total humility. And I would say, if, it, if that applies to you, maybe pride is your issue. And maybe you need to humble yourself before the Lord. If you do that, he will lift you up. Amen? If you're struggling in an area of sin, that's an obstacle to faith as well. If you're continuing in sin, I'm telling you right now, then you need to humble yourself and repent. Because the guilt from that it, it will prevent you from being able to even believe that God can do anything through you or for you. Your self-condemnation, your project on God. He won't forgive me. He can't use me. And for those, and if we're walking in sin, it, let's just be real about it. God, he, he doesn't tolerate that. All right? He wants to work in your life, and you're going to have to cooperate with that and say, Lord, I don't want this in my life anymore. I surrender. I give it up, Father. I confess it, and I just trust that you're going to cleanse me and forgive me. And God is loving and faithful enough and gracious enough that he'll forgive you. And he'll continue to do the work in you. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord. You know, the Bible says that for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him will not perish, but have everlasting life. 
And that may, not, that may not make sense to you. You know, you don't have to have grown up in church. You don't have to have Bible-believing parents. You don't have to have a, 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 a Christian legacy. You could have come out of all kinds of chaos and dysfunction. You could have done things that many of us would never imagine doing. God knows them all. And let me tell you something. He loves you. with an unfathomable love. Your performance in life, the things that you have done, could not make God not love you. All right? He loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son to make a way of salvation for you. And he wants you to bring yourself he wants you to bring your sins, your weights. He wants you to, your flaws, your foibles, everything that you, everything that, all the flaws that you have, he wants you to bring them and lay them at his altar and just in humble submission, surrender to him and, and say, yes, Lord, I'm a sinner. Um, Father, I just surrender and give my life to you. It doesn't matter. The words don't have to be. Exactly right, as long as the heart is. That requires faith, too. So you may have heart, your feelings may be lying to you. You may look in the mirror and you call yourself unlovable. You may look at yourself in the mirror and say, there's no way God, God would accept me. I want you to Tell your lying emotions to shut up. And I want you to remind yourself of what the preacher said this morning, that God so loved the world, everybody in the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believeth on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And so he wants you to believe on him. He wants you to receive his humble yourself and receive the gift of salvation because you're worth it you were worth the life of his son and he loves you so much i'm going to ask you to stand the any other prayer ministry would you guys please come up and, and Abe, if you can play something. Whether you, whether you are Christian or no, this morning, God is here for you. If you've heard the call of God, if you're not a believer, if you've, if you've never given your life to the Lord, I want to invite you to do so right now. Take advantage of this opportunity to transform and change your life forever, to receive the, the gift of salvation through Christ Jesus our Lord and begin your new and awesome journey as a brand new creation in God today.
I would I would give the same invitation if you were once with the Lord and and you strayed and and backslidden and so forth. I want you to know that despite the guilt and the shame you may be feeling, God loves you unconditionally. He's never stopped loving you. His arms are extended in invitation for you to come back and let him embrace you. Let him bless you. Let him kiss you. Let him love you. And if you have been struggling in your faith today and you want someone to pray with you, please come and allow our prayer ministers to pray with you, just to encourage you and strengthen you and say whatever the Lord has put in their hearts to uplift you. Father God, we're so grateful, so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for Jesus and all that he's done for us. We thank you, Father God, that not only did he die for our sins, but he rose again on the third day, proving that he is exactly who he said he was the Son of the Most High God, our Lord and Savior. And I just thank you for encouraging everyone in their faith, Father God, that they can move forward in the path you've marked out for them, knowing that you are bigger than any problem they could ever face. that they are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves them. And Father, we just give you glory. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to leave the, uh, the prayer ministers to stay up for a few minutes for anyone uh, who may uh, still be considering coming up for prayer. Um, otherwise, service is dismissed. Uh, feel free to fellowship. I would just ask that you, to the best of your ability, to do so out in the foyer, just to respect what the Holy Spirit is doing and, 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 and to uh, you know, be considerate to the ministry that's going on. God bless you guys.